This is episode seven, Marriage. I'm Rachel. I'm Jessica. I'm Lauren. So we have our very good friend Lauren. Uh, do you want to describe yourself a little bit? Sure. Uh, I'm Lauren. I'm not going to say my last name. <laughs> I live in Ottawa with my partner, my fiance, um, and we are getting married this summer. I work at a local not-for-profit, um, and I enjoy traveling. Yes. And so we met in high school. Mm-hmm. Did you guys know each other before high school? Elementary we, school. I knew of her. We weren't friends because we were in different years. Right. Yeah. You're older than her. Um, but, yeah, I've known Lauren. Since we were five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I met Lauren in seventh grade. Yes. I, I thought Rachel was so cool. <laughs> I wanted to be her friend so bad when we were 11 years old. And uh, I, I just did what I normally did at that time, and I complained about boys. Mm-hmm. And she listened. <laughs> Which carried on into high school and the way our friendship was, me complaining, her being the excellent friend to <laughs> lend her shoulder. <laughs> so um, I'm going to just get into it. I want to start off with, I tried to watch The Bachelor. Okay. And I have mixed feelings because I feel like The Bachelor is something that I should really love. Considering <laughs> yes. Your reality TV I'm addiction. I'm with reality TV. <laughs> so... Um, Actually, Susie Meister from the Brain Candy Podcast yes. wrote about uh, there was an incident, I guess, that happened between two contestants on one of the Bachelor shows. Uh, I don't know if the investigation is still pending. Oh, yes. But uh, so she was talking about that, and I just thought, okay, I'm going to check it out. I want to watch this. It's everywhere. When, mm-hmm. we, when the Bachelor's on, everybody talks about it. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's What Facebook is it, Tuesday status. Bachelor Day? <laughs> yeah. I don't, yeah. So I watched the first episode of the latest series uh with Ari okay yeah okay I hear that ended poorly I don't watch it Uh, see okay I watched a half of the first episode and I immediately stopped I didn't Mm -hmm. understand this sort of cultural narrative that exists around the show of like settling down this like Mm, idea of like you know you date and you you meet people and you just it's casual it's fun whatever and then suddenly an epiphany happens and you feel like you have to settle down and so you just go with the next person who's Mm-mm. available to settle down and that and cuz he kept talking about it and he was like you know I've dated and I've really enjoyed it but now I'm ready to settle down and find a nice girl to you know get serious with and marry and it's like so is the next person you're going to be with actually the person you're supposed to be with or is it just the next available person mm-hmm. you're ready settling to down? yeah mm-hmm. you are settling what is that <laughs> Like, so, yeah, just, it got me thinking, like, especially when we watch these shows and women get so obsessed with the competition, Mm -hmm. and first of all, the whole thing is fucking gross, I think, (laughs) because you have one man and all of these women fighting for his attention, fighting for his affection, they're all kissing each other, I'm like, um... No, thank you. I have no interest. This is the kind of trash television I just don't need in my life. Yeah. I love trash TV. (laughs) With a passion, and I just have, I could never get into The Bachelor for that exact reason. I just, I find it gross. Gross is a great describing. And it's so fake. It is so fake. You don't have feelings for these people. Come on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like, I want to watch the show Unreal, which is about, uh, it's like a, is it, is it they're filming a reality show? They're filming a reality yeah. show that they don't name The Bachelor, but it's similar to The Bachelor. Right? Okay, okay. It's like Bachelor No Name. 
Okay. Uh, and it's all of the behind the scenes. Right. So mm. it's like the main character Producers. of the show. Are, yeah, is she's like one of the main, pro- like the field producer. I like that. Yeah. That so sounds interesting. So you see a lot of the, like the manipulation. Mm-hmm. And um, I think they consulted with former producers from those shows. Smart. Yeah, which is super smart. And so, yeah, you'll see things like, you know, there'll be a girl and she just got eliminated or however it works. And she's in the back of the limo and the producer's sitting there with her and, and they're like, you know, you're just. I can't believe you were eliminated first. You're going to let everybody down because essentially these people want to be on TV to mm-hmm. be on TV right. and to mm-hmm. gain exposure and sell, of course, you know, detox tummy tea and <laughs> you know have a million followers on Instagram and make money. Almost every mm-hmm. reality TV star these days, it seems like, has been on another reality TV yeah, it's a show. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It is a career. So it's you know their first show is essentially their audition mm-hmm. for more TV. Yes, mm-hmm. and so they're distraught about that, and then they start filming them. And then it makes it look like they're so mm-hmm. distraught about mm-hmm. this man who rejected them. And it, like, mm. it, like just builds on that narrative. Right, right, it's right. It's so fucking manipulative. Exactly. That yeah. Was exactly Agreed. what I was going to say. Okay. So now let's get into, you know, the nitty gritty. The nitty gritty. <laughs> let's do a little disclaimer here. Okay. Yes. I want to do a disclaimer because I don't want this show to feel like we're bashing because I think marriage is something that two people, or maybe more, decide they want to do. And I think that's awesome. Whatever you want to decide, whatever you believe in, if it's religion, if it's cultural, if it's, you know, it's something to do with your family, absolutely you do you. But we have a different opinion, I think. Uh, and so, yeah, if I, I just wanted to add a disclaimer that I, I really don't want this show to be bashing anybody or judging anybody who does decide to get married it might come across that way at times <laughs> so we apologize in yes. advance um <clears throat> okay so i read this really really interesting article in the atlantic uh by a chap called andrew churlin it was called marriage has become a trophy a wedding is no longer the first step into adulthood that it once was but often the last mm-hmm. um so it started off by giving us some really interesting uh facts and quotes So it says, in 2010, when Time Magazine and the Pew Research Center famously asked Americans whether they thought marriage was becoming obsolete, 39% said yes. Does that surprise you? No. Doesn't surprise me. No, I don't think so. not at all. Not in this generation. No. Um, So they found sort of this interesting paradox that, you know, now that gay marriage in the States is Mm -hmm. legal, and this data was obviously based in the States, now that it's legal... They're finding more and more uh, same-sex couples are taking the opportunity mm-hmm. to get married. Of course. Um, but what they found, actually, is that when they looked at the demographics, it was more older couples. So pe- people who were, you know, 50 years and older mm-hmm. right. were taking advantage of this. Um, and so while there was sort of a big boom at the very beginning of 2015 mm-hmm. um, across the states, that sort of died down. And their marriage rates are starting to come up to heterosexual couples. Mm-hmm. marriage rates mm-hmm. um which totally just makes sense to me because i think you know if it's something that you grew up knowing that you didn't have the right to do it, it like if it was just not oh, within God, the realm yes. of possibility and now you do have those rights and you still grew up in a time where marriage was something that was sacred it was something that you know was just what you did mm-hmm. to be able to, to take advantage of that opportunity i totally get it <clears throat> yeah i mean i completely agree i think that it was i think regardless of anyone's feelings about marriage um 
everyone should be afforded the option of opting into marriage or not. And I think that that was the most important part, obviously, when gay marriage became legal, Mm -hmm. was that this was now a choice and not just a a non-option. And of course, to me, it makes a lot of sense that that, um, same-sex couples over 50 were getting married because they'd been together for 30 years, some of them, and they really wanted that um, to be married. And I do find that older folks are getting married more and I have a lot more friends now who are you know partners and they don't plan on getting married and I have a lot of friends now who are also divorced and like don't mm-hmm. want to get married again right um, yeah, which is really pattern. it is a common pattern and I think that it just it's a really individual choice and there's a lot of different reasons behind why you may want to get married or not get married um, I think it's really complex yeah I agree. Okay, so to the meat of the article. So they found that the American pattern right now is as such. For many people, regardless of sexual orientation, a wedding is no longer the first step into adulthood, Mm -hmm. but often the last. So it's a celebration of all that two people have already done in their life, unlike a traditional wedding, which is more of a celebration of what the couple will do and the the beginning of their life. Fully agree with that. Um, So according to the Census Bureau... Bureau? The median age. You all right? The borough? <laughs> Are they hedgehogs? The borough. <laughs> Sorry, bureau. Thank you. The median age at first marriage, the age at which all marriages occur, was 27.4 for women yep. and 29.5 for men. It's pretty bang on. Yeah. Uh, and that's the highest age since they've been keeping records. Mm-hmm. In, oh, God, yes. You know, the late 19th century. Mm-hmm. Um, so it says here that the college educated are more likely to eventually marry, mm-hmm. right? Even though they may take longer to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, Student. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please refer to our second episode. <laughs> um, in addition, uh, it says nine out of ten wait until after they marry to have children, mm-hmm. whereas a majority of those without college educations have a child first right. before mm-hmm. they get married. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is interesting. Rates of divorce are steeper for the college educated. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. So they rush into marriage, probably after school, you know, once they get settled into a career, because they're a little bit older, mm-hmm. and then subsequently, <laughs> they get divorced a couple years later. But that doesn't surprise me. I mean, that doesn't surprise me at all. I also think that it's, if, mm, I'm going to try to say this without sounding super bougie. Sound bougie. <laughs> I also think Sound that it's bougie. important <laughs> So college, which we're talking America, so university in Canada, Mm -hmm. teaches you to be a critical thinker. Mm -hmm. And I do think that marriage or long-term relationships, um, long-term partnerships, are a lot of really hard work. Mm -hmm. And it's really important to, you know, be honest with your partner and have that open line of communication. And I actually think that it's that, you know, critical thinking might have been more um, entrenched in how they learned how to explore the world and that maybe 20 years from now you're critically thinking about this person as your partner Mm. and it's I learned something really interesting just for reference my partner and I did therapy this past summer um, not because there's anything wrong with our relationship but because uh, I use the analogy that you take your car to go get checked you know when your service is due and you don't just run it into the ground and then take it to your mechanic and say hey fix this Mm -hmm. so we went to therapy 
which was fantastic. And it is interesting because our therapist made an interesting note, which is that a lot of couples come in and say, like, you've changed. It's been 20 years and I don't even know you. Yeah. Well, of course you don't because you that's... You haven't checked in. You haven't checked in. And it's also completely realistic to be a different person if you're 25 yeah. or 45. And it's about growing together and realizing like though you're marrying this person now that might not always be the person that they're going to be and you either need to be okay with that or if you decide later in your life not okay with that I think I'm a strange getting married person because I actually think marriage might not be forever for some people and that Mm -hmm. that's okay it's not this earth shattering you know forever till death do us part Mm -hmm. it's something that you know we want to do now and that we hope we're together for ever but that there's there needs to be a reality behind it which is that people change and that's okay and you might not like that later in your life and it's okay to just not be miserable and together and be happy and apart Mm -hmm. and I think that there's honestly nothing wrong with that yeah question mm-hmm. are you using a lot of that traditional verbiage in your service we're using none of the traditional verbiage in our service yeah. we are um our families joke that we are the least traditional <laughs> you really wedding are. yeah <laughs> just just for reference jessica is in my bridal party so she knows all about this wedding stuff but we just we are not traditional in any sense of the word there will be no till death do us part there certainly will be no you know you will not sleep with anyone else there's going to be none of that because you don't know you don't know maybe we'll have an open relationship later in our marriage maybe that's what's right for us when we're 43 years old like we really don't know Mm -hmm. so the certainty of it all our vows will be around love Mm -hmm. and respect and caring for each other which will always be true Mm -hmm. regardless of where our lives may take us But not, you know, and you shall be together until death do you part, bound by this marriage in front of the law and your friends and family. We're not. Do you take this woman to be yours? No, he ain't taking me. No, I take myself. (laughs) I choose to be here. Exactly. Okay, so I really, really liked the section. They talked about uh, Norway and Sweden and how in those countries, a majority of the population does marry. Mm-hmm. Um, but weddings often take place long after a couple starts to have children or even after all of their children are born. Mm-hmm. So the median age at first marriage in Norway is 39 for men and 38 for women. Hey, oh. I like hey. it. And it's about 68 years higher than the median age at first childbirth. Mm-hmm. So Norwegians told researchers that they view marriage as a way to demonstrate love and commitment and to celebrate with relatives and friends mm-hmm. the family that they have already constructed. Aww. Yes, I really love that. I love that, and that to me speaks to our decision to get married. Mm-hmm. We are not having children, mm-hmm. so this we've bought our house. We are essentially done with all of the big things in our lives, mm-hmm. which is what you were talking about earlier. And to us, which this is likely not a popular opinion, but our wedding is a big party mm-hmm. with all the people that we really love. And we want them to be there to share in our love, um, but that it's more about that party. And after the wedding, that's kind of it. We're not having kids. We're, there's no more life, you know, huge life-altering steps for us to go through. Well, see, and I think people get caught up in that, though, these these milestones or life milestones mm-hmm. um, where it's like, you know, you graduate high school, you graduate university if that's your path, mm-hmm. you know, you start 
start in a new job and you start your career, then you get married mm-hmm. and then you have your children. Mm-hmm. And then people kind of say, then what? Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I feel like that's where a lot of the um, questions of who even are you come into play right. when couples, you know, their kids are grown, they're more mm-hmm. um, self-sufficient mm-hmm. or they've already moved out. And then they look at their partner and they're like, I have no idea. I don't know who you exactly. are. Yeah, I don't even know who I am. I don't know if I want to be here. We mm-hmm. focus all of our attention, mm-hmm. all of our energy on other things and the milestones mm-hmm. that, that, you know, life says we're supposed to have, our culture, our society says we're supposed to have. And then and then they're left with nothing. And yeah. so um, I just think, like, not getting caught up in these milestones and actually thinking about whether or not it's right for you if you yeah. if you want to get married if you yeah. want to have children if that's for you mm-hmm. then awesome go do it mm-hmm. but think about it don't yeah. do it just to do it just mm-hmm. because that's the next step of what you should be doing right. well we certainly don't want children and already since we sent our wedding invitations out last week and oh, since Oh, we get it all the time, and we had a really long engagement. Like again, very non-traditional. We've been engaged for three years. We just, we just want to. It doesn't. I don't want to feel stressed. I don't love this wedding stress, this wedding culture of mm-hmm. panic, and I just didn't want to deal with all of that. So we've been engaged for a very long time, which has left a very long time for people to be asking us. So, are you changing your last name? When are you having children? To which I say, No, I'm not changing my last name, and never. We are not having children, but it is like a book that you already know the ending to is the start of that marriage chapter. It's like, okay, so the rest of your life, do you have a pension? So you're going to have a child, and you're going to change your name, and you're going to raise this child, and one day you'll retire, and then you die, and that is your life. Mm -hmm. And that's just not... What you want for yourself. That's not what we want for ourselves, and we're oddly untraditional people, so I do find it interesting that we're getting married. (laughs) You're selling out. I am. You do both come from pretty traditional families, I'd say. We do. I mean, we've been living together long enough, so we're going, I think it's been four years now, so we're we're legally married. We're common law married. But it took you guys a long time to get married, not just for financial reasons, but I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but also for how your family felt about it, right? Yeah, I mean, certainly not with my family, and it, it was never anything that was spoken. It was more, um, which this actually makes me quite sad. I have a complicated relationship with my partner's family in that I they do not speak the same love language that I do, which is important, and, which is important, and I'm trying to take those steps to understand how they may love, care, and appreciate me in their own unique ways. But something that really upset me is that Simon and I had been living together. We'd been together for, I want to say, four years at this point. And we had, or Simon had, uh, nephews. And I was always Lauren, and all Simon and all of his brothers were Uncle Simon and Uncle So-and-so and Uncle So-and-so, and and that was fine. Um, But that one of his brothers started dating someone, and they really all of a sudden got engaged after a few months of dating Mm. and all of a sudden she was their aunt Mm. like she was the aunt of these kids who I was there when they were born Mm -hmm. and I've watched them grow up and so that's when I realized like oh I literally and he realized as well like I literally will never be seen as included unless we get legally married because we at that point had been living together we'd been together for years and years and years this was not a new relationship and that's when we realized if if we really wanted to be 
seen as, you know, family. And I actually don't think that that my in-laws are family at all. But I think that that's, that was a sobering and upsetting reality. That's tough. Um, and it made me really upset. So to me, that's kind of where we looked at marriage and we're like, well, I guess we should get married. Like, I guess it's not good enough to just live together. And that, to this day, I don't know if now we're into eight years of being together. I don't know if I would ever be Auntie Lauren. Mm. Like, I truly don't know that. And the second we got engaged... I was like, oh, soon you'll be, soon you'll be part of the family, blah, blah, blah. And I actually just found it really upsetting. Mm -hmm. And I was, I had a really hard time with that for years. I really struggled with that and that treatment. Whereas Simon had always been part of my family. Mm -hmm. Like they had always included him. Um, And to this day with our wedding coming up in five months, um, I'm still getting like, soon you're going to be a part of the family. Mm. Like people, I've been around for almost a decade yeah i don't understand that so this one big party suddenly makes you a part of the family like it doesn't make any sense no exactly and simon and i even had originally planned on just like eloping immediate family we were going to go to prince edward island get married and that was going to be it and then it became a well no if you're going to get married you're going to have a party and your whole family's going to be there at which point which i talk to jessica about all the time once you decide to have a wedding you really well you really have to commit to having a wedding like you have to feed people obviously you have to do things right. There is an expectation if people are coming from out of town, if they're going to spend money to be there. Yeah. There is this expectation. So it went from being the small ceremony we wanted to now, I am committed to having a wedding, oh which God. includes all of the following. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You don't get to half-ass that. Um, or else I actually personally feel usually insulted as a guest if I'm like not fed or whatever it may be. Like You've got to <laughs> really commit to to having a wedding if you're going to invite 100 people to come hang out with a, you for 12 hours. This is a weird concept. And I'm in our next little um, article that we talk about, we'll dive into that mm-hmm. a little bit more. Um, but just to wrap this one up, mm-hmm. I really, this sort of small paragraph like really spoke to me and represented how I really feel about marriage, marriage in general. Okay. So it's that um, plenty of Americans view marriage as, at best, one of many lifestyle choices, and at worst, a deeply flawed heterosexual institution (laughs) that should be transcended. So it says that marriage seems to operate best today for parents who pool two incomes, or just two people Mm. who pool two incomes, and invest heavily in their children's development, or just in their life in general together. Um, But these investments could be made by parents in long-term cohabiting relationships. Mm -hmm. Uh, It says the dominance of marriage may simply be due to what sociologist William Ogburn called the cultural lag, the tendency of attitudes and values to change more slowly than the material conditions that underlie them. Mm. I think that's true. I think in the next, I don't know, maybe 20, 30 years, it won't be this be-all, end-all institution, and I think you'll see a lot more cohabitating couples um, and having that sort of them being allowed the privileges, the same privileges as mm-hmm. married people. Right. God, that would be delightful. Because as of now, you though I mentioned we're common law legally married, at a lot of places you cannot get on your sp- your partner's insurance. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. in the case of the poor poor same sex couple who were in Australia when one of the partners died, you have no legal rights. Yeah. Unless you have a very you know strict will pointing out this is my legal partner. Mm-hmm. Here's what's happening. I mean, it truly just makes for a headache in a worst-case scenario if something happens. Yeah. yeah. That marriage certificate is definitely oh, yeah. a protection for you. Absolutely. Legally. Legally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which 
just sad. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the next topic is a little lighter. Have you guys ever heard of Matt Bellasai's Wine About It? Yes. No. Okay. He's amazing. He's a writer at BuzzFeed. And oh, yes, 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 yeah, yes. So he just gets drunk at his desk mm-hmm. and complains about stuff. <laughs> yes. It's amazing. Check it out if you haven't already seen it. Um, but he did a little segment on why weddings are the worst. Mm. And I just have to point out all of the ones that he said because most of them are true. Yep. Um, first of all, wedding season. It's fucking expensive. Okay. Yeah. I had two or three weddings last summer to go to, and one of which I had to travel all the way to Hamilton. I had to take, like, an overnight bus to Toronto, and then a day – it was a nightmare. And then that same weekend at the hotel, it was, like, some um, CFL game. Oh, that's right. You told me about this. Yeah, it was insane, and they weren't leaving their hotel rooms, so we had to wait in the lobby. To check in. To check in. It was awful. Um, fucking wedding season. And I gotta figure out what to wear. Yeah. Uh, I have three weddings this year. I mean, there are definitely perks of going to a wedding. It's a big party, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And you get to see, well, hopefully you get to see all your friends. Like, it also depends what kind of wedding you're going to. Like, if it's family, that's one type of wedding. If Mm. it's, like, your best friend getting married, it is a whole other level. Yeah, this is my first, I mean, last summer it was a childhood friend who got married. Mm -hmm. And so that was more family-ish. But Lauren's wedding will be the first, like, friend wedding that I have. So I'm fucking excited. Yay! I'm getting wasted. Good, because it's open bar until after dinner, and then it's a toonie bar. Because yes. what mattered the most to us is if we're inviting people to our wedding to feed them booze. Yeah. So that was another thing he talked about, was a cash bar. He's like, people who have cash bars no. tend to die. I, yeah. agree. I, I agree. <laughs> Truly, as someone getting married, and like, I don't love that bill. Yeah. That bill is oh, uh, horrific, and I love my friends, but legally, it's a toonie bar after dinner, so we're not liable. Yeah. And also, because... You do have to think about it for half a second. Like, don't get me wrong, you can get wasted for 20 bucks. Yeah. Especially given you can drink endlessly throughout the night until that point. Yeah. But just the having to give someone a toonie, which in case this blows up and you have a ton of American listeners, a toonie <laughs> is a uh, coin that is Canadian. <laughs> so it is a $2 bar. Um, so you can get a drink for $2 and how it works is the bride and groom pay the difference at the end of the night, we get a bill. But uh, cash bars where you're paying $7 for a drink yeah. are a special gift from hell and <laughs> I hate them. They need to go to hell. No. Yes. Um, okay, all weddings are expensive. Gifts, no one, get, no one gets gifts for moving in together or other like, you know, moments. This is true. The outfit, the traveling expenses, especially if it's an out-of-town wedding. Yeah. Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm sure the couple are paying exorbitant oh, amounts of yeah. money. I promise. Yes. <laughs> For personal experience. It's, it's, bitch, uh, we have to buy you a fucking kitchen mate or whatever that <laughs> You do not. <laughs> okay. Um, when it's no plus ones and you've got to endure it by yourself, if you don't know people at the wedding that's painful that is painful that's when i say i politely and respectfully decline your invitation yeah Yeah. sorry love you (laughs) we'll ignore that um not enough food before dinner starts agreed if i may motherfucker (laughs) 
And I'm gonna I'm gonna name names. Okay. Simon's brother. Okay, I won't name his name, but Simon's brother got married this past fall. Rachel and Jessica are well aware. <laughs> Simon was in the wedding party. He got married in a little town in rural Quebec to save them money. Okay. Her family's from Montreal. His family's from Ottawa. Oh. So you'd assume if they're doing out of town, it's somewhere in between. No, he made the motherfucking guest from Montreal drive five hours to go to this tiny, sad, town. sad, sad town that looks like nobody lives in it and it's just everything boarded up. We go to this town. One Simon, hotel. One Motel. One motel that we could stay at. I'm going to preface by saying, Simon, in this being a groomsman, we spent over a thousand dollars. I'm going to I'm going to keep making it worse. (laughs) Just so you are aware, anyone in our bridal party, I have put basically a cap of how much I think is reasonable, which is like 500 bucks. Mm -hmm. Dress, shoes, if they so choose to buy shoes, that's it. We're done. Drinks at the Bachelorette. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Simon's brother... We had to travel out of town, pay for a hotel. Fine. It was a cash bar the whole night, which was frustrating. Yeah. But again, one of those things, I was like, great, I'm getting drunk. I'm not paying for this. <laughs> I found a flask and made my own night. Great. We get there. This hotel is super sketchy. Uh, it doesn't have Wi-Fi. It doesn't have a television. It doesn't have a radio. So I'm sitting in the middle of nowhere with nothing to do and nothing but my gin. <laughs> to to drink i get dressed getting stolen oh uh no whatever these are the least of my concerns um so i get ready the wedding happens lovely fine great i'm not gonna shit on anyone's you know wedding itself fine we go in for a cocktail hour i'm like great i'm starving we drove two hours i had a toddler vomit on me on the drive up drove two hours i have no food there is no fridge i have nothing we get into cocktail hour i go to the bar to buy my one cash drink and i'm like great could you let me know when the hors d'oeuvres are being served they're like oh there's no food until dinner if you'd like we can sell you a bag of chips for two (laughs) dollars At which point I actually uh, blackout rage walked out of this place with my drink in hand, straight had a nice shot of gin, went to go find Simon and was like, I'm sorry you're taking photos right now. I have not eaten in about seven hours. You're going to need to find me some food. His brother packed a Costco-sized amount of protein bars, whipped them out, and we all ate protein bars until we got to eat dinner. Cocktail hour was two and a half hours long. Were they trying to get people drunk? I don't understand. They were paying for the booze. They were just cheap. Truly, this is the cheapest wedding I've ever been to, which is why I said earlier, like, if you you commit to having a wedding, you got to do something for your guests. Like, you got to... So we gave them a a cat... They asked for cash, so we wrote them a check, like a $200 check, which is what you do, where we were not fed, not given booze. We had everyone at the wedding come up to us because we're family going, so is there, like, wine on the table or anything? It's like, no, there's not. We pay for all our own booze, everything ourselves. There uh, There is the meal, and then there is a slab cake for dessert and that was it and we wake up the next morning for breakfast which we're also paying for ourselves which that to me is reasonable Uh, that was the most expensive 
but also worst. worst wedding I've ever been to. All in all, I believe we spent like $1,200 on the bare necessities, which is a gift, our booze, Simon's suit. I recycled an outfit, <laughs> but like gas, having to stay overnight. Yeah. Why do people <sighs> do this? Why do people do this? If you cannot afford to have don't a wedding, have don't have one. Yeah. Go do it in Ottawa. Get married at City Hall. Invite immediate family and then have a barbecue. Like, that's just not fair to ask <laughs> people to do for you. I agree. So the next one is a long-ass ceremony. And this mm. speaks to especially Anything religious. religious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you do now? a full mass after and you yes. got the communion going. Yes. And in your August. Like, Yes. Have a little more of that wine? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck the people behind me. I'm getting blessed. Right? <laughs> okay, lo- this one I agree with. Long speeches from people who love you, but we don't fucking care. Yes. We have a speech rule. Yeah. There will Yes. There um so 2 minutes. Okay. T- total. Yeah. Um it will be my parents. Simon's parents. <laughs> uh my so we both have two best men and like a maid of honor matron of honor one of them will be speaking and one of his will be speaking and that is it and everyone has two and a half minutes and then we have to say something obviously but everyone in the room will know these people speaking it's my best friend simon's best friend mom and dad combined two and a half minutes not each combined a total that's it. Yeah. And then we say thank like you. Like, if goodbye. they start to go over, I might have to run up and grab the microphone from them. From Simon's parents only. <laughs> okay. I would never do it to your parents. I love your parents. <laughs> I like this. Because that's the thing. When they start talking about, oh, you know, and that time in middle school no, when you no. and me and we were. And no inside funny, stories don't, allowed. Don't give inside jokes. No. No one fucking cares. No. No one understands them. No. We just want to eat. Yeah. Yes. And what's delightful about ours is that we do, bride and groom are going to talk first, and then everyone else will be sprinkling talking throughout the night. Yeah. Which is great, and you'll all have booze, and me- hopefully a lot of booze at that point. Yes. <laughs> I'm down. Okay, terrible wedding cake. Extra We're not doing it! For fruit filling. Nope. <laughs> we have no wedding cake. Love it. We're getting... Wedding cake sucks. Wedding cake is the worst, and it's sh- stupidly expensive. Yeah. We are going to have the world's smallest wedding cake, like a two-person wedding cake, just so we can cut it. Yeah. Uh, and then everyone else will be getting delicious Gourmet. Mavericks donuts. Ooh, which will to be Mavericks like in Ottawa. Lemon ricotta. Uh, creme brulee. Like, and you know what the worst thing about cake is? You need play, a plate and a fork to eat it, yeah. and donuts you're just going to take and dance. I so love that. So we're doing donuts because they're easy and everyone will like them. Fuck yes. And then we're doing poutine. <laughs> a midnight poutine bar. Oh my god. That's yes. what's up. This is amazing. Fuck, yes, because my guess happiness <laughs> is my happiness. <laughs> and also I couldn't get married without poutine. Yeah. <laughs> fair. Completely fair. Okay. When other people ask when you're getting married, you kinda touched on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, thankfully at your wedding, I don't think a lot of people would know me and JP. No. I don't think no. so. Like, not, like, I mean, our our friends know us, but that's about it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and your parents have enough sense to not ask when we're getting married. Oh, God, yes. So, I, I'm going to dodge that bullet. Thank fuck. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I went to, what the wedding that I went to with my childhood friend, mm. uh, or my childhood friend's wedding last mm-hmm. year, I went with a friend of ours. Right. Uh, and, you know, we're all good friends. It was totally fine. We are not in Ida. In Ida. Mm-hmm. We never were. And yet we still got the, oh, mm. so uh, are 
you two together? Mm. Oh, um, so how long have you been together? Mm-hmm. Is that going to be you soon? Can two people go to a fucking wedding together and it not mm. be, yep. you know? Agreed. Ugh. And then last one is not enough singles. Now so, this, okay. this might be an issue at Lauren's <laughs> wedding. Lauren's wedding is a lot of family. Yeah. And friends, but all of her friends are, are coupled up. up. How many single guys are there, Lauren? So, Three? uh, no, we have some eligible bachelors. Oh, okay. We have one, two, three, four, five, six. Anyone Jess would be interested in? No. You know, I really want to set you up with someone from Simon's band. He's got a kid. He's so nice, but I don't think you're going to be interested at all. So, one no. Night, probably mean, not. Why not? We'll see. He's lovely. Lord help me. He's have lovely. Have a couple gin and tonics. Mm. That, you know, get Try not to go into a coma. <laughs> I am going to be on Bridesmaid Duty, which, mm. like, it's a thing. Yeah, but, like, True. end of the night. I have much more single ladies, I think, actually, yeah. than single men. Do ya? I do. Mm. Uh, either divorced or single. Yeah. Um, But there are a lot more, no, uh, maybe, like, ten. There are a reasonable num- number of singles mm. at my wedding. So, here's to all the singles getting laid at Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The next topic, we'll talk about changing your married name. <laughs> okay, so this was an article from the Huffington Post called, Why Are Women Still Changing Their Last Names? Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so, okay, a little bit of history, because it's kind of cool. There used to be legal reasons. Women were forbade to keep their last names a short handful of decades ago under the premise. Premise? <clears throat> under the premise. <laughs> I really wanted to be pretentious there. No, under the premise that the wedded couple were viewed as one person by the law, mm-hmm. and that one person was the husband, mm-hmm. uh, whose identity superseded the wife's. So he was the sole person who could vote, hold property, go to law, etc. And it was only until up until 1972 that every United State legally allowed a woman to use her maiden name as she pleased. That's mm-hmm. fucking late. Yeah. I mean, lots of things yeah. happen fucking late <laughs> when you look into them. True. I mean, the fact that, it says here, the fact that a woman's maiden name is even called a maiden name it oh, yeah. is evidence that this practice is antiquated at best. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have no idea where these stats came from. I tried to look them up and couldn't find them. But they said in this article that 90% of American women still take their husband's last name at marriage, and a staggering 50% of Americans think it should be illegal for oh a woman not to God. take his surname. That's oh fucking ridiculous. God. I know. No. Make Why? America great again. <laughs> Who were you asking and where? Yeah, this is my question. Um, Okay, so we totally do have an innate connection to our names and might Mm. feel like we're losing our identity, which I totally understand. I'm super proud to have my last name. Same. I I went through a period when I was, you know, in my teens where I hated it. I have a really African name, and nobody can ever pronounce it ever or spell it. I can. To both. No, we can. (laughs) (laughs) No count. It's true. But... When I meet people, they have no clue. A lot of people think it's Japanese. Ah, oh, I could see that, some actually. Some of the same, yeah, yeah, letters and things. But, um, no, I, I I, really hated it, and I was super excited. I remember playing, like, house, and I was so excited to be called, like, Williams or, mm. you know, Smith. Yeah. <laughs> Can I just get an easy name, for the love of God? But now, I'm, you know, I something happened when I became an adult and I really started to appreciate my last name and just where it came from and mm-hmm. and you know my dad coming here and we're uh yeah so I'm I'm super proud of it I'm not changing my last name ever if we decide to get married 
Same, same with you. Yeah, I am not changing my last name. Um, this was a this was a big deal earlier in our relationship, and I recently posted a Facebook article just to answer all the questions that mm. I was getting. Mm. Um, and I was like, as has the weddings coming up and the questions rolling in, I am not changing my last name. I am not having children. Um, but the article was super interesting, and it just kind of looked at. Obviously, I will not be changing my last name, mm-hmm. but it looked at um, this person then went around to post-secondary institutions when uh, when she was writing this article, and she would talk about it in class, classes, who wanted to change their names, why it was important, all the men had opinion, an opinion, of course, and then she's like, okay, great, so if you think it's important for you both to have the same last name, men, who here would change their last name? Yeah. And no one would. Take, nope. the, take the wife's name. No one would. Yeah. And this was a, a strange, because Simon is relatively left and progressive and yeah when we first started talking about marriage which was when i mean when we were together for maybe a year then he's like yeah it's really important for me for my wife to take my last name really? i was like well then you are disappointed <laughs> for or, your wife or we need to uh, <laughs> she may be. Or we need to end yeah. this relationship and then he but in a in a redeeming moment what's really interesting is when so he was upset initially that i wouldn't want to do this and then he went and sat and thought about it. And he was like, why, why do I want this? He's like, it's just because it's what's, I'm normal. air quoting, normal. Mm-hmm. He was like, I literally don't want this for any reason that has to do with me. It's just that I don't want to be abnormal. Like, what a yeah. dumb decision that was. So yeah. we worked that out good for him. He's a good critical thinker. <laughs> um, and I will not be changing my last name. I love my last name. I think it's great. Yeah. When I was a kid and people would be like, if you could change your name to anything, what would it be? And I'd say the same yeah. as what it is. I love my yeah. name. I have no desire in changing it. We don't have to answer that question once people know we're not having kids. Of like, but what about yeah. your children? I will not be hyphenating my name. Oh, God, I will not hyphen. be Mrs. I will just be myself. Yeah. I'm going to take whatever name's easier if and when my time comes. Mm. Yeah. Like, if mm-hmm. I can go from what I got to, like, English <laughs> or Smith, yeah. I'm all mm. about it. Because yeah. I, al- I have an easy last name, but yet I have to spell it every single mm. time for people. Yeah, that's strange. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I mean, I think I think I can understand people who have a negative association with their last name. Yeah. yeah. You know, if, yeah. if absentee father. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, there are reasons, or somebody in their family, they're trying to, I don't know. Distance themselves from. Of course. Yeah. For whatever people reason. People have complicated relationships with their family. I totally get it. And in that case, do what you want. Either mm-hmm. way, actually, do what you want. Yeah. Um, but Either way, do what you want, but I also think that it, it's a good idea to sit and think about things. Yeah, make yeah. an informed decision. Make an informed decision. Sit and think about it. Don't just be like, well, of course, because, you know, that's it's what you Cinderella, do. and that's what you do. Sit and think about it, like Simon did. Mm-hmm. Just sit and have a think about it, and if you come to the same conclusion, great. great okay. Good for you. But I just, I hate this society where we look at you know facebook articles and don't open them to read them and you're like oh my god guess what there was an earthquake that killed 12 million people today it was insane <laughs> like just go out inform yourself yeah and make an informed decision yeah i agree okay so the last part of this article i really agreed with they talked about how it could be important for some people to have the same last name for their whole family you know mm-hmm. when they have kids um, but what about taking the woman's last name, mm. kind of like what you were mm-hmm, saying? Mm-hmm. What, about, what about amalgamating last names mm. or creating a new last name totally. for this new family? 
Um, for those who say it's unfair that a man take a woman's last name. <laughs> unfair how? Is it unfair when men don't have to grow up with the psychological impermanence that women do that's mm-hmm. associated with their own last name? I mean, we literally grow up thinking and knowing that our last name won't be ours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's going to go away to someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I just think, I just think that, you know, it's important like you said, to make an informed decision and to really ask yourself, like, why why am I doing this? Is it important Why is this important to yeah. me? Exactly. Yeah. Because, we're, I mean, we really want to have kids. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of the opposite to you. Rachel is pointing at her and yeah. Jessica. Yeah. I, Lauren, have no interest in having children. Right. So um, I, we don't know what our kids' last names will be. No. I don't know. I actually had a conversation with my mom yesterday and we talked about how my mom is the youngest um Yarbrough girl mm. and all of that generation they're all girls so yeah. they all have different last names they've married their kids have different last names so she's essentially the end of the Yarbrough line which started in like the 13th century mm-hmm. wow yeah um like we're in uh like the English peerage okay and uh, as part of, like, the, you know, the royal families and Very stuff like cool. That, which is super cool. So I, JP and I had the conversation yesterday about, you know, maybe mm-hmm. who knows. Um, okay. Our last topic, we're going to shoot the science a little bit. Oh, boy. This is bleak. Um, <laughs> so this is a study that was published in the American Journal of Medicine uh, in the last couple of years. So it was by a couple of researchers in the University of Massachusetts. And the study was done to measure the effect of recent divorce on cancer-specific outcomes. Oh, shit. (laughs) I like this. Right. Keep going. So they had uh, decent sample sizes, just short of 84,000 patients. Damn. I know, two malignancies, diagnosed 12 to 60 months apart, uh, from the early 70s to 2006. Uh, And this was from the Surveillance Epidemiology and End Results Database. So they were asked, these patients were asked questions about their marital status at each diagnosis, which was analyzed with associations between various types and stages of cancer, Mm -hmm. type of treatment, and survival rate. And they found that recent divorce, which represents an acute disruption of a a person or patient's social support network, was associated with the worst cancer outcomes. Followed by long-term divorce. Mm. So clinicians should consider recent divorce as a risk factor for worse cancer outcomes and encourage appropriate screening treatment and access to social and financial supports for recently divorced patients. That is not shocking at all to me. I had a friend who very recently went through a divorce and a separation, and just watching the physical ailments that she went through because your stress level is higher Mm -hmm. you are sleeping less she was a single mom so you're taking care of your kids more going through all of that she was i've never seen her so sick so consistently even just colds and when you're talking about cancer getting a cold when you have cancer is awful yeah Yeah. i I read another follow-up study that they took a look at uh, immune risk profile, mm. right? and it was the same thing. They yes. took a look at some immune factors and found that they were lower during this severe period of stress. Because when Absolutely. else are you going to be stressed out, especially if you have children? Oh, God, yes. You know, you're going through a separation. Your life is completely changing. Mm-hmm. And you go from a two-person support system to a one-person support yeah. system. Yeah. And if you don't have family around you mm. or close friends, or yeah. close friends yeah. like a network of people yeah. who, who can support you, then... yeah. yeah. Like, that spouse was your person. Yeah. yeah. And you don't have that anymore. Yeah. What do you do? Yeah. Yeah. You have to find it elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Or you don't have it, and you, you go it alone. It. Yeah. Or you don't have it, you go it alone. 
and I will not name names or scenarios, but there is someone I know who is going through a separation right now, um, and both herself and her partner do not have any family in Canada. Mm. They do not have a large support system of friends. They have maybe one or two close friends each. And on top of all of that, they have a three-year-old. Just, and like the level of stress and sickness and exhaustion and depression and all of these things that we're watching this person go through Mm -hmm. is shocking. But all of that with the end result of hopefully being a happier, healthier, Mm -hmm. better person. But as a cancer patient, you you might not have that possibility. Mm -hmm. Like that might not be... Well, exactly. What is it that you're aiming for if you're going through that and you're actually, I mean, that's just a, that sounds terrible. Worst case scenario for everything. You have cancer and you're going through a divorce. Like, it doesn't get much worse. So, pretty grim. I guess it says, uh, you know, stay married. I mean... but it's staying in an unhappy marriage. How much stress while is that for this? And that's exactly what it is because this, everyone, every one of my friends that I know who's gone through a divorce, which is a relatively high number given how young I am, but mm-hmm. noted most of my friends are much older in their 30s and 40s. Um, watching them go through the, the misery of being in an unhappy marriage, the extreme misery of going through a divorce, mm-hmm. but seeing them a year later coming out coming out of it being this like wonderful happy flourishing person and that really is like to go back to that critical thinking checking in with your partner going through all of these things because even one of them made a comment like oh I really I really didn't know my husband in our therapy sessions at the end of it all and and I didn't know him and I didn't know he felt this way and we you know we couldn't communicate. They didn't. They yeah. communicated through email about anything really difficult. Wow. And that's just where they got in their lives. They had been mm-hmm. together for 18 years. Wow. And that's just where they were. And so to me, even though when things get really difficult, it might feel trying or 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 exhausting to or have impossible. A, or impossible to have a sit-down conversation with your partner. It's so important, and Simon and I do plan on every single year, because therapy is expensive, every single year we will go through basically a check-in with our therapist where we'll do, you know, five to ten sessions, maintenance, every single year, and do that to keep us honest with, you know, our communication, to make sure that we're we're treating each other with respect, Mm -hmm. and we're fighting fair, because fights are going to happen, but you don't need to, you know, fight mean. You, fighting fair and all of that so we we do know each other as we continue to grow throughout our lives and we do have those check-ins and we see that even if we're becoming different people people we're still either in it together or we're not and then it's not a shock surprise any yeah, of those things right, yeah. it's really it boggles my mind how how important communication is and how it doesn't get the respect it deserves in a long-term partnership. Well, yeah, because it's not only important for you guys, because you might have different methods of communication, you know, talking about love languages. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's not just about receiving the kind of communication that you receive the best. It's also then giving your partner the communication that they 
listen to this. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, which is so much easier said than done. <laughs> and for your listeners, there's a wonderful book that you can read called The Five Love Languages. Yeah, Essentially, yeah. everyone speaks a love language and needs to receive a love language. And they're not always the same. But basically, in a perfect world, your partner speaks and receives the same love languages and you're all happy. Whereas in my relationship, my love language that... Um, Rather, the love language that Simon needs, his top love language that he needs, is my bottom that I give. (laughs) So having that consciousness where at the end of every day, his love language is physical touch. So things like, you know, a back rub or a hug. Mm -hmm. I could go days without needing a hug or human connection. You've always been that way. I've always been that way. I'm not a cuddler. I'm just, I'm not, and that's my love language. Like, I I don't need that, but he does. So I make it a point every single day to make sure that I'm giving him like a back rub or that we hug and kiss goodbye hello and that you know there is physical touch for him every day because that's so important to him in feeling loved and important in our relationship and he in turn does the same for me or at least he tries to mine is acts of service So doing things like taking out the garbage without being asked or, you know, doing things, oh, doing things around the house. Like, don't get me wrong. We're not perfect. Things slip and fall and all the rest. But (laughs) the love languages are important to be aware of and to try to work with your partner's love language. And also, if anybody out there has a partner, has a man partner who actually takes out the garbage without being asked, can you fucking email me? (laughs) (laughs) Tell me, how do you do it? I can't. Therapy. (laughs) therapy no he's actually great about (laughs) i know i need to go to therapy he's he's great about he's great about recycling he's great about recycling but uh it's the cleaning stuff around the house Mm. he's a big eye roller oh yeah oh we've talked about this and simon does the same things it is not perfect it's just if they don't see it it's not a problem (laughs) what's up with that it's so gender specific, I swear. I hate to say Because that's how we were raised as women, yeah. truly. There was another interesting article, not to get back onto articles, that I read about the difference in, you know, how boys are raised and how girls are raised. Mm. And when a girl has her bedroom clean and tidy, they're like, mm, that's your job. Very good. When a boy cleans his room, it's like, oh my gosh, so Bobby, I'm so proud of you. Let's Do you want to pick dinner? Yeah. Do you want to pick dinner tonight? I can't believe you did that. Look at this. You've organized your socks. I'm so proud of you. But when the sister does the exact same thing, it's just the expectation. That's right? so interesting. It is entrenched in mm-hmm. how we are raised, even with the best meaning most loving parents it's just it's been passed down and it's in the little minute things that you don't even think about my 21 22 year old brother cannot cook (laughs) to save his life we all and me as the oldest child were taught how at least how to boil some macaroni yeah (laughs) i mean yeah exactly i mean at least how to do something but it it blows my mind even amongst adult children watching that different dynamic and what's expected and what's not yeah especially because he's the middle child so they had a like and there's a bit of an age difference between you and your other two siblings yeah so they had a while to like get stuff right and then they were just it's true with boys Mm -hmm. boys aren't expected to be organized no no and and to be meticulous about no. things. And I look at my nephew, who is organized, and, like, we joke, oh, he's so OCD, he's 
Because you're rotting like his mother. It's a bad thing. Yeah, exactly. It's not a bad thing. You just said like his mother, right? So it's okay for the females or the siblings, sisters. But if it's a boy, you're like, oh, God, what's wrong? Why do you Mm -hmm. want to organize your toys like that? Why are your books colorized? Should he be analyzed? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay, I think that's it. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, Lauren. Thanks for having me, gals. It was a lot of fun. This yeah, was lovely. Was. Got I hope a lot. We can have you back again for something else. I would love to come back. You know, I uh, have many rantable <laughs> topics yes. stored away. Rants and bands. Mm. Rants and bands. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thanks for listening, and thanks for suggesting it. We'll see you next time. Bye.